Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. My message is entitled, Together We Can. In the wake of Hurricane Michael, which just hit the Florida coast on Wednesday of this past week, devastation is everywhere. If you have been looking on the news or or been online and seen the pictures, you know uh, what damage has occurred there in that panhandle area of Florida. And so many people have lost everything and almost everyone has lost something. And we have a mandate from the Lord to help people in need. The entire Gulf Coast of Texas was hit hard by Hurricane Harvey just over a year ago. Do you guys remember that? It was, it was devastation around here. I mean, uh, th- th- there, there was nothing. And people responded to us. They brought food. They brought water. They brought clothes. They brought tools. They brought hope. They brought help. They sent prayer and encouragement. It was amazing. And we are even here uh, a year and, uh, you know, uh, a year and two or three months months later, we have not yet recovered as a community here in Southeast Texas. We still drive by homes that are devastated. People are just now in Port Arthur this week at the, at at, at our food pantry, people are just now getting back into the community and not yet back in their homes. In, uh, in, in several communities, there's nothing but just studs still in houses or one or two rooms that have been you know, remodeled and, and, and secured. It, 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 it's tough still here in Southeast Texas. But we would not be as far along as we are had it not been for people outside of our community who looked upon us with, with, with caring, loving eyes and concern and sent us the much-needed supplies and tools and food. We got everything from water to generators. We received, uh, you know, things from, you know, from, from clothes to chainsaws. People sent us help. They sent us financial help. They sent us prayer and encouragement. Teams came from all over the nation, from Alabama, from, from Arizona, from, uh, from you know, Missouri, they, Mississippi. They came in here from all over Texas to help us work here. That's what we do in times of need. And I'm so grateful for those who sent help to us from across the nation and around the world. One group of people that helped us in September of last year was a church, Lighthouse Church, pastored by Pastor Cole of Panama City, Florida. They sent us some things that we needed. You know, after about two or three days, water is abundant. After two or three days, food, you can get it just about everywhere. Even though the stores aren't open, people are sending those critical needs immediately. They're on standby right now all across the nation waiting on, on, on the next disaster to respond. After, you know, two or three days, you can generally uh, get survival needs. But then you begin to feel this sense of hopelessness. You begin to feel this sense of, of desperation. What am I going to do to normal? normalize my life? What am I going to do to, 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 to begin, you know, to do something for me or something for my neighbor, especially those who have not been hit hard? They begin to feel guilty and they begin to wonder, how can I help? 
Well, you know, they can't go to Lowe's. We couldn't for weeks because Lowe's was not open. They couldn't go, you know, uh, you know and, and, and they couldn't unload the trucks once they did get there. And people weren't there to help. It was, you know, a, a horrible. You couldn't even buy things. After Reed in 2005, I had to drive 175 miles north just to get enough gasoline to run the generators so that we could keep doors open and lights on. 175 miles one way just for gasoline. You know what I'm talking about. But the critical things that we needed were tools to actually begin rebuilding and recovering and feeling a sense of worth again, a sense of hope again. And so on Wednesday, whenever the hurricane was bearing down on Panama City, I had not talked to Pastor Cole or connected with him in, in, in that year and a month since. He helped us. They helped us greatly. But I picked up my phone and I called Pastor Cole and I said, this is Ron Hammonds, pastor of Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. How are you doing, Pastor Cole? How's your congregation? How's your community? He said, well, it turned to a category four at four o'clock in the morning. We had to leave. I'll be back in there tomorrow. He said, but it doesn't look good. I said, well, keep me posted. In a few hours, he sent me a picture of his church, and he said this in the text. He said, the roof of my church building just blew off. This is Lighthouse Church. This is the church that unselfishly sent us in our He didn't know us. He and I have never met. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. He's not a part of an organization that I'm a part of. He's just a caring, kind man who felt the responsibility and the mandate to reach out to someone who was boots on the ground, and he heard that we were boots on the ground. He heard that we were workers. He heard that we were helping, and so he sent his trucks here. This is the picture of his church today. He has a second campus. He said, that one looks like a lumber yard. You know, there are a lot of things that we cannot do and a lot of people that we cannot help. Buildings, businesses, you, if you've seen them, they're nothing but slabs. Everything's gone. Cars, houses, household goods. But uh, immediately, I notified several pastors around the nation and also got our staff together. And on Thursday morning, we knew that we had to help these people. We knew that we needed to make some effort. So many people are responding from all across the nation around the world, but we wanted to respond as well. And so we decided that we were going to, to collect some tangible tools, things like what they sent us that helped us so much. We would go through whole trucks. We would go into a whole 40-foot trailer and, and be filled with stuff looking for something we could use. We would ask them finally, take the water somewhere else. We have so much water. We gave away water, 80 cases of water every month, was it? Every three weeks, what was it? Uh, every week, 80 cases every week to Lamar University for months after the flood. We had so much water, we were looking around saying, will we ever need water again? You know, there's, I mean, uh, but thank God when we needed it, it was here, but it came in abundance. But what we would go through trucks looking for are things that we could get our hands on so that we could go down and pull out sheetrock and go down and, and help to rebuild and do things that was important to, 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 to normalize just a little bit, to show someone that, that, that something was going on. That's so important for an 
emotional recovery, for physical recovery, for safety and security. And so uh, those are the kinds of things that, that Lighthouse Church sent to us. And so we went, uh, uh, we decided we were going to do it. And we put together a campaign called Together We Can. Okay? And I've shared it around the nation now. And what we're going to do in our church is we are going to put 50 from our church, 50 of these trash cans. See that trash can? You can see it in the foyer. But that's a trash can that we went out on Friday. A few of us went out from the staff and we shopped. We took buggies and we put stuff in it that we knew we needed because we know we're familiar. We took people who actually ran crews last year and we got buggies. And then we said, and we, we said, okay, had you rather have gloves or trash bags, you know, because it got down. We wanted to put together a $100 package, okay? Uh, and, and when we got down to $4, we said, okay, is it a utility knife or is it a tape or is it what, you know, you know, I mean, and we called things and uh, we found these trash cans as a container. The trash can, we can get at Lowe's with our discount for $17 and something. Uh, we were so happy. We saved two extra dollars. We were able to buy a utility knife. Isn't that great? Because we wanted to make it a hundred dollar bite. Now, uh, and, and we're going to pack these trash cans on Wednesday night here. We'll preach and we'll teach. We'll have a little church and we'll sing. And then we're going to pack these trash cans. We're going to write little letters and stick in them, and we're going to put them in a trailer. Our church is going to be responsible for 50 of these trash cans, and I'm going to raise enough money around the nation for 50 more. That's just $10,000. We may get 15000 but from our church, we are pledging $5,000, so I need 50 families or 50 of you to give $100. I need you to give $100 this morning toward it and mark it hurricane relief, or I need you to write it on an envelope saying you will give $100 for hurricane relief and you'll bring it back next week, okay? And then you bring it back, dadgummit, okay? And uh, uh, don't be like the national average, 50% of the pledges come in. Don't be that way, okay? We're 100% kind of people because we are going in good faith and we're going Monday and Tuesday and I'm going to need a little help from some of you and uh, let, me, let, let, uh, let us know if you can uh, in, in, in finding these things. You see that saws all there? That's, that, that's real important. We, we, we can get that today. We can get it today for $19 at, uh, at, at uh, Harbor Freight. Tomorrow it goes up to something more, okay? So, uh, you know, and then we're going to have to go, you know, and a lot of places to get these because we're going to end up putting together 100 cans, okay? But we're going to do 50 this coming Wednesday night or more, depends on what pastors around the nation send me today, okay? But at any rate, uh, uh, see those saw, those, those saw blades, those saw blades cost uh, $9.99, I believe, is what they were, $9.95. Is that correct, Pastor Casey? Okay, but there are three of each one of those blades, so that'll outfit three saws. That's a $3.30 item. And those, those gloves up there, there's like five gloves in there. When we broke it down to where we can put one pair of gloves in a trash can, it's $1.60 per glove. We've got it down to $100, and I need your $100. Don't forget, don't leave here today without uh, participating because it will take us, and together, together we can do it. It's my hope that we as a congregation will show our appreciation through giving to the community that gave to us in our time of need. Amen. These people responded to us. They didn't know us, but they helped us, and we want to help them. And there's no greater way to show our appreciation. And then this Wednesday evening, uh, come and help us to pack these and 
two, load them on a trailer, and I'm thinking maybe Thursday. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, we may need some help as well uh, with, with more, more than one enclosed trailer going down there and coming back. You can't stay down there. You can't spend the night down there. You have to go down there and come back home because there's a lot of people need to spend the night, and we don't need to, okay? Uh, and uh, you can do this because whenever we had Hurricane Harvey, the next week, you remember it hit in Florida, and Jacksonville, uh, I went by myself and carried a load of our stuff from here to Jacksonville and back and didn't spend the night there, okay? And that's a lot farther, so I know that these guys can do it, okay? So if you can help in any way, let us know because this is a quick project. We're getting it knocked out here, uh, you know, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I hope to have this stuff delivered and then, then be back here on Friday, okay? Great. And if you want to participate and you're watching around the world, you send me $100. If you don't have $100, send me $10, okay? Uh, and I'll find nine more people, all right? I am good at this, all right? And um, because I only sell stuff that works, all right? Uh, how can you do that? You can go online to cotr.com and right there online, uh, or, uh, you can just uh, give and you can earmark it uh, for the hurricane relief, Okay. Uh, and, or, or Florida, whatever you, whatever is easier. And uh, if you are doing that online and you are giving $10, would you give $10.30? Because it costs us 30 cents to actually get that $10, okay? So if you're giving $100, give $103 uh, because it costs us $3 to actually get that $100. I don't know if you guys know that or not, but uh, we receive quite a lot of money as, uh, you know, young people don't carry money, but it's, it, it costs us 3% to get what you give online, uh, that is the charge. Isn't that amazing that we have to, uh, yeah, so anyway. But if you give money to a missionary, you know, we absorb that. And, any, any, and if you only give $100, $100 will go there. We absorb these costs. We never take anything out of something that is given to a project, uh, a missions project or an outreach. 100% of everything that is given goes 100% to what it's given for, and then we just make up the difference. But, uh, you know, every month we have to make up, you know, uh, uh, $1,500 to $2,000 worth of online giving expenses. Isn't that crazy? All right. Hey, but that's where we are. That's where we're headed. And we're going cashless. And somebody's making money off that. Praise God. Have you got your Bibles? Open them up to Matthew chapter 14. The title, the message title today is Together We Can. Let me catch you up on where we are in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 is a time in Jesus' life when he is ministering. He is really doing so much. He's teaching and he's preaching and he's sharing the gospel. Jesus has been uh, healing the sick and he's been raising the dead. He's been, you know, walking on. I mean, Jesus has proven himself to be a reflection of a loving, caring God. And one day, you all heard this story, everybody knows it, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, everybody knows the story about Jesus feeding the multitude, about him taking the, the fish and the bread from that little boy's offering and, 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 and multiplying those to meet the needs. Well, you know, that's just what Jesus does. And so today, we're going to be reading one verse out of Matthew chapter 14, the heart of this message, and uh, we're going to uh, share three points afterwards, all right? Are you ready? Matthew chapter 14, verse 19. This is in the heart of the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Verse 19, then Jesus 
commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. Point number one. Let me share with you that this particular account of the feeding of the 5,000, this miracle is the only miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Evidently, it made great impact on anyone who heard it or observed it or later researched it, such as Luke or Mark. Evidently, it was so important that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John felt it necessary to record this miracle. I mean, outside of the resurrection, which is a miracle, uh, but not necessarily performed by Jesus, but by God, this particular miracle is the only miracle done by Jesus that is recorded in all four Gospels. Therefore, I think that it should hold a very special place. Yesterday I read each account in depth and as well I went and read every other place in the Word of God where things like this were mentioned. Such a consistency, such a, a picture of what God wanted to show us through this account particularly. And point number one merely indicates to us that this is a very important Miracle, a message that should be known by every person. Point number two. Point number two. Jesus did not feed the 5,000. Okay? Jesus did not feed the multitudes. I know you're going to say, hold on a second. You're saying that, that Jesus fed the multitudes and it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels. Well, yes, but let me clarify. Jesus did not feed the 5,000. Rather, Jesus, if you read the account, and every account is consistent, Jesus first, he took the fish and loaves. Jesus accepted what this young man had to offer. Jesus accepted them. He took them. He received them. Now, he's painting a picture for us. He only has a limited amount of time and words that he's going to spend painting a picture for us. And this particular picture is painted over and over and over again in the Gospels, not just in the account of the feeding of the 5,000, but also in other accounts, such as the Last Supper, that Jesus does the very same thing, painting the very same picture, hoping that we can see God in this picture. Number one, he took the fish and loaves. Number two, he blessed them by lifting them up and thanking God. As you, we just read, he lifted, looking up toward heaven, he was acknowledging that God was the provider, even though it came from somewhere else that he could see this little boy offering it. Nonetheless, when Jesus accepted, when Jesus received it, when Jesus took it, he acknowledged that every good thing and 
and every perfect thing is from the Father above. He acknowledged that this is the provision of God. This is the way God provides. God provides through others, but it's a God provision. It is one of the laws that even if you were to give, it would be given back unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, would men give into your bosoms. You see, even though it may come from a man, yet it's to be acknowledged that Almighty God is our provider. That's what Jesus did. He took it and he blessed it by putting it under God's umbrella of provision. Thank you, God. He was thanking his Father God for this provision. And then a third thing he did in every instance, he broke them. He broke them by his own hand, making them an offering. He accepted, he received, he took, he blessed, and he broke. This breaking was by his own hand. You see, every offering and each sacrifice must be broken, burned, bruised, or dead in order to be accepted by God. Think about it. Every offering must be broken, bruised, burned, or buried in order to be received by God. That's a very interesting concept. But if you look at it from, from bulls to the fruit of the vine, even in our lives as we offer our lives to God, here, here God, here is our life. Yet, before we are accepted by God as the offering that we're hoping we will be, he wants us to be dead. Our old men, dead. You see, we are dead and the life that we now live, we live by the faith in the Son of God. We were crucified with Christ. We are buried with him in baptism. God receives broken things. I don't know why, but I do know that it's a principle that God receives broken things from bulls to the fruit of the vine from the brazen altar to Gethsemane from broken bread and poured out wine God says a broken and a contrite heart I will not despise this is the divine miracle of multiplication it's happened throughout the word of God that God receives broken things do you remember when Isaac was going to be offered by Abraham, he walked up onto a mountain and all of a sudden he realized that he was being tied up and laid down. He, for all practical purposes, became dead so that he might live. For all practical purposes, as Jacob was on his way to his uncle's house, having lost his inheritance, having forsaken his family, having lied and cheated, of course he did. His name was Jacob. He was called surplanter. He was a conniver. He was a liar. He was a cheat. And on his way to his uncle's house, he stopped at a place called Bethel. Bethel means house of God. Pastor Ken and I have been to that very place. We've walked up on that mountain there north of Jerusalem and standing up on that mountain, there Jacob, this liar, 
was changed by the hand of God. As he wrestled and he struggled with God all night long and the angel of the Lord finally broke his hip. And then after he was a broken man, after he was a man that walked with a limp, God changed his name from lying, cheating, conniving to a prince with God. From Jacob to Israel because of his brokenness. Joseph, and by the way, from that day forward, he walked with a limp. Let me encourage you to never fully trust anyone who does not walk with a limp. Someone who has not met life and met themselves in the darkness of their own life and had the light of God shine upon them and that they realize that I am unclean. I am undone. I need help. And their heart breaks before God. By the way, God does not break homes. He does not break hopes. He does not break heads, but he does break hearts. God will not give you cancer. He will give you the answer. Just like he did me. I'm cancer-free one more time. M.D. Anderson just sent, sent word that there's no reason for me to even come back because my, my tests show nothing and there's nothing. Listen, a year and a half ago, it wasn't that way. God will not make you poor. God will not make you sick. God will make you, however, broken. For the things that break his heart. This is the picture that's being painted. And it's happened time after time after time after time. Jesus was multiplying the resources. You cannot multiply anything until you break it. Even your own body was created by God so that at conception you were one single cell. You could not have grown and had life. You could not have expanded if those cells were not willing to divide, were not willing to separate, were not willing to be multiplied under the multiplication multiplication laws of God. That same hand that takes us is the same hand that blesses us, the same hand that breaks us so that he can give us. You see, God breaks hearts, not hopes, not homes, not heads. He gave. He broke so he could give. The Bible says that he gave the broken pieces to his disciples. And his disciples used that broken offering that was given and accepted by God and blessed by God. They used those broken pieces to feed the multitude just like Jesus. The bread could not be fully given until it was first truly broken. Jesus was giving us a picture of his own life that he would be broken so he could be given. Nothing can be fully given until it is truly broken. Not Jesus and not you. In each account, Matthew 14, Mark 8, Luke 9, John 6, if you read them, every one of them is the same. Jesus first put the responsibility for feeding the hungry 
on the shoulders of the disciples. And every one, he asked them, he told them, you give them something to eat. Well, what are you going to do for them? You give them something to eat. Will you give them something to eat? This is what he said to them over and over in each account. He put the responsibility for feeding the world, for feeding the hungry, for reaching the lost, for helping the needy. He put the responsibility squarely upon the shoulders of his disciples. He said in that it's your responsibility. You do something about it. And in each case, they said, how in the world can we do anything? But Jesus did not relent. He simply asked them, well, what do you have? And what they saw they had was not enough. It was nothing. It was so little in such a great need. But Jesus took it, and Jesus blessed it, and Jesus multiplied it, and then Jesus gave it back to the disciples. Why? Because he would not relent. It was their responsibility to feed the multitude, not his. It was his responsibility to make miracle provision possible. It was his responsibility to take what they brought to him and to make something amazing out of it. It was his responsibility to do the miracles, but it was their responsibility to do the work. God still sees the hungry multitudes, and he is asking us every day, to reach out to them, to meet their needs, to let a light shine in their darkness, to help them and encourage them and to meet a need, even when we are also hungry, even when we are also in need. You know, the disciples had not eaten since the people had eaten, but they too were blessed by what was given, by what was blessed, by what was broken. God sees the hungry multitudes. He's asking us, what will we do? God will still make a way for us. God has a plan. All God needs are some blessed people who are willing to be broken. That's all he needs. God needs some blessed people around our community and around this nation. And around the world, God needs someone who is blessed, who is willing to be broken so that they can be given. People like Isaac, people like Joseph, people like Ruth. Ruth was broken. She was a broken woman in the hands of God, serving her mother-in-law with a cheerful heart in her brokenness. And God saw her. And through her brokenness, God raised her up to be the grandmother of Jesus. David, King David, God accepted him. God blessed him. And then he went through a brokenness in his life so that he might be multiplied to reach the needs of so many as God gave him. To a nation that needed leadership. Daniel, Mary, Martha, Zacchaeus, Paul, Martin Luther in the Great Reformation. It didn't stop at the end of Acts. Acts is still being written. 
In the 1500s, here this man offered himself to God and God blessed him with great wisdom, with great insight, with great revelation, but he went through the crucible of brokenness and yet has been given to a world as we enjoy our Protestant faith because of a man who was blessed and yet willing to be broken. Billy Graham in this generation. Billy Graham was called by God when he offered himself to God and said, use me if you can. I'm certain he did not realize what was going to take place in his life. We see Billy Graham as a man that was given to a world, to a generation that brought Christ to the forefront. This man walked the aisle in a Billy Graham crusade in California. Were it not for Billy Graham, he would not be sitting here. His family would not be born again. Can you imagine that? Billy Graham said, here I am. If you can use me, here I am. God took him. He accepted him just like he was. And God began to bless him. God began to bless him with wisdom and revelation. God began to work in him. And then God broke his heart for the lost in his generation. So much so that Billy Graham could not even eat or sleep all he could do was cry out to God, use me more, carry me more, send me more. The nights and the days and the weeks and the months that he had to spend away from his family in hotel rooms and eating in restaurants, you know, that was not, you know, uh, what he considered the best years or the most fruitful for some of his own personal ambitions or, or aspirations. He never desired to be a public figure. He wanted to be a father. He wanted to be a husband. He wanted to just, just be a good man, but yet he was so blessed and he was so broken that he was so given and we are recipients of a man who was blessed by God and willing to be broken so he could be given to a world that was lost. What will we do if we neglect so great a salvation? I'm telling you today that wherever you are in life, Whatever situation you have faced, however you got to this moment, whatever it took, good or bad or tragic, hurtful, disappointing, disgraceful, how, however you came to this next breath, if you will offer it to God, he will accept it. Whatever it is, if you will offer your life today, to Almighty God, if you will say to him, here I am. I don't know what you can do with me. I don't, you know, what, what can you do with, with, you know, five barley loaves and two little fish among, what is it, the disciples said, what is it among so many what is this little trash can among such a great need? What is my life worth? What, Lord, 
If you will say with this next breath, here I am, God. If you can use me, use me. Without respect to what you own, where you are, without respect to your education level, your physical abilities, without respect to to your financial strength, without respect to your past or what anyone thinks about your future, just give your life to him and he will accept you. And when you are accepted by God, the first thing that you will recognize is that he will begin to bless you. You will be blessed. He, it's his pattern. He cannot deny it. He cannot divorce it. He cannot get away from it. When you fall into the hands of God, when you truly give yourself to the Lord, he will bless you. It will be evident to you and everyone else around you. He will bless you. That doesn't mean your life will be perfect, but it will mean all of a sudden you'll begin to feel like perfection is working on the inside of you and working on your behalf. He will bless you. But that same God that takes you and accepts you, that same God that blesses you, he will clean up your life. He will begin to clean your life up. He will begin to break your heart for the things that break his heart. He will begin to deal with the things in your life that need to be broken so that he can shine through. He will begin to deal with your attitude, your gratitude. He will begin to deal with your selfishness and your own personal ambitions. He will begin to break your heart for the lost and the hurting and not just for the person you see in the mirror. Come on now, this is good preaching. It doesn't mean that you're going to end up on the bottom of the pile. It means that you're going to end up in the hand of God. Because that same God that accepts you is the same God that blesses you. It's the same God that in his own hands begins to clean your life up. That's the same God. Thank you for that glory. He will make you a blessing to others. Remember, God breaks hearts, not hopes, not homes. As I said, he's not going to give you any sickness, any disease. He's going to heal you. He's not going to make you poor. He's going to provide for you, and he will provide for others through you. This God we serve will lay a burden on our hearts and break our hearts for the lost and the hurting and the hungry. He's hoping that we will put our resources in his hands so he can multiply them and use them to reach a lost and a hurting world. You see, the reality is, point number three, Y'all remember point number one and two? Point number one, this is an important message. It's in all four Gospels. Point number two, y'all remember what point number two is? Jesus did not feed the 5,000. Okay? He told the disciples to do it, and then he made it possible for them to do it, and they did it. Point number three, together we can. We can. The little bit we can put together, 
A hundred of you with one dollar can put one of these cans together. Why not? Together we can. Together we can reach our families. Listen, together we can reach your family. We can. We can. We can. We can. Together we can reach our communities. We can. We really can. Christmas Fest is coming up. Woo, we're about to reach our whole community with Christmas Fest. Together we can. What does it take? It takes people who are blessed and willing to be broken so they can be given. Willing to be multiplied. <clears throat> together we can reach our nation. And together we can reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Together we can. Today I challenge you to give your heart and your life to Jesus without respect to where you are, how you got there, or what you think about yourself, or what others think about you. Just say, here I am. He will accept you. He will bless you. He will begin to clean your life up so that he can give you to someone who needs a light. He'll do it. He'll take you like you are. He'll take you just like you are. Offer the little you have to him and watch what he will do.